for leading us in worship. But I mean, oh, we could do it again. Can we give it up for the band? Oh, man. Man, that's one of my, that's, I felt like that was uprising right now. Like if you haven't been to our men's conference, that's last song. That's the way we do it right there. Man, you're the God who fights for me. Oh, mm. I don't know. Is God ever taking you through something? You know, by, by a show of hands, by an amen. Is God ever taking you through something? Oh, man. You know, you have one level of faith before you go through something hard. And then if you're walking with God, that something hard is always going to draw you closer, right? And if you don't draw it close in those moments, then it will destroy you. Um, so, man, I hope today that if you're going through something, the person that you're turning to, the person that you're running to is the Lord. Um, for those of you that weren't able to make it last Sunday, we started a new series um, called Nehemiah. And we're just walking through Nehemiah and um, we're going to do some summations, but um, if, if you don't know his story, he's an Old Testament figure. Uh, once the uh, Jerusalem had fallen and had been destroyed by the Babylonians, they were taken off into captivity for 70 years. And, and during that time, uh, Nehemiah was born and uh, God had uh, prompted this other fellow named Ezra to go back and build the temple. And now that the temple is built, the outer walls have to be reconstructed because they had been uh, raised to the ground. Um, and so Nehemiah was, was called, if you will, spiritually to go do that project. And last week we made note that he was not a prophet. You know, he was not a priest. He was just a dude, a dude that God gave a vision. And I hope today that as you're sitting in this audience, I don't care what it is that you do for a living, that you would learn that God has a vision. God has a vision to do incredible things on this planet and that if you call yourself a believer and you've accepted Christ and made him the king of your life, then he has something for you to do. And that vehicle that you have to live it out through, his chosen vehicle is through the church, the church moving and reaching people in a lost and dying world. And so I encourage you to think about, and last week we had some challenges out there of prioritizing, like what is it that you're going to have to reorganize in order to be able to fulfill God's plan for your life? And I promise you, if you've done it the wrong way, most of your life, then you've reaped the results. How about it? How about you've, you've gone far enough down the wrong road, and how about for the last, you know, 10, 20, 40 years of your life, you do it God's way? Would you guys think, would you think it would get any better if you did it God's way? Does anybody think that? I, think, I personally believe that when we do things God's way, it's just better. And so this week, we're going to start right where we left off in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10. I left off you know, two verses, and we're going to get into those in just a moment. And we're going to find out what Nehemiah's role was in the kingdom. And um, he was a, he was a cupbearer, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. Before we do, though, um, I wanted to talk about something today, because Nehemiah chapter 1 and the first uh, 10 verses of, of chapter 2 really have to do with what I'm going to call the art of the ask, right? The art of the ask. And um, there was a story that happened uh, two years ago. Uh, we were on a vacation with some of our friends, and um, we were in San Antonio, Texas, and it's the first time to take our family. We're now in this phase of life that we're trying to go to landmarks. Um, you know, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon uh, this week. Uh, that's our spring break trip. And so uh, never been there before. And so we were going to go down to San Antonio. Uh, some of our kids wanted to see the Alamo, which, have you ever seen the Alamo? Like it's... So, you know, I'd say it's a little, little disappointing if like in your mind, it was this grand thing, you know, it's not, you know, it's not very big, you know, now an important event happened there because real men stood up for a real cause, unlike today's men, but whatever, you know, I'm just saying, oh, 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 shots fired. What? Oh, okay. I'm just saying. Um, so as we were down there, uh, we were winding down and uh, we try to go to one nice restaurant on our vacations. I don't know if anybody else, y'all are like this. It's like, you know, we'll eat in, we'll do this. And then we're like, we'll have one night out. Um, and so we found a restaurant, <laughs> but it was prime tourist season and it was Thursday night. And there's this restaurant called the Chart House. And I think I have a, a picture. It's one of those elevated restaurants. And this is up here and then it rotates um, like 50 floors up as you, as you eat. And so uh, 
we'd already struck out at two other restaurants. The waiting lines were like two hours. And um, if you know me, I don't care about food, so I'm sure not going to wait two hours. You know, uh, it's, it's time to go to McDonald's or something like that if I have to. And so uh, we called this place, and, and now this became a challenge for, for my personality because they said it was a, a wait, wait time was three hours. And uh, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. And so I've always tried to reinforce to my kids that people are going to tell you no, like a lot in life. And just because they say no, you'll find that oftentimes they don't mean no. And the church said, oh, oh man, sometimes like someone's going to tell you no. Like, like you want to come to church with me? No, that's all right. And I, well, if you just let it go with that, sell them on it. Hey, I'll tell you what, why don't we go? I'll take you and the family down here to this restaurant afterwards. We'll make a day of it. Well, now all of a sudden it's an event. And like, they're not going to turn you down for a free dinner, right? You're saying, are you going to sell them Jesus on a free dinner? I'm like, yes, yes. Anything just short of sin and you can sell them on Jesus? I say yes. Okay. But that's just my philosophy. I think Jesus didn't say anything, whatever. Um, so we, so we went over there to this restaurant. It's pouring down rain. We are not dressed uh, for a nice place because this was spur of the moment. So we got our shorts and we're sweaty from running around in San Antonio, which is like humidity 700. And, um, and, and so like I, I was still, my back was still an issue. And so I asked Titus and Kennedy, which is our daughter-in-law, to run in and ask. Now, Titus was, I think, 17 at this point and uh, maybe 18, and not a lot of world experience, let's say. And then Kennedy, my daughter-in-law, is, is the opposite of the average born in the sense that she's real quiet, you know, and she's not offensive to anyone. She doesn't share a loud opinion, you know. And I don't know why we, we sent the, those soldiers in, right? <laughs> and so they go running um, down this long corridor into this restaurant, and they, they go in and ask at the bottom level and, and um, they call me up and they're like, no, dad, they said, they said it's three hours, you know, and there's nothing they can do. And I was like, okay, okay. I said, well, we'll go ahead and get in the elevator and go upstairs. And so they got in the elevator and they went upstairs. And he's like, he's like, dad, he goes, there's a, there's a lot of open tables. And I was like, right. I said, they have reservations. And so I was like, just wait one second. So I got the rest of the fam. We went inside and I, I went over to the bottom lobby and I'm like, ma'am, um, what's the wait right now? And she's like, oh, it's three hours. And I was like, three hours. I was like, really? I was like, well, I guess it is uh, Thursday night and it's, you know, busy tourist season. I was like, but my son, my oldest son, the guy that was leading worship up here, I said, it's his anniversary. And they really, really wanted to go to your restaurant. Like, this is our first time to experience San Antonio and... Um, my, my wife and our family, this is our first family vacation since they've been married. And I said, and, and like, what better way to take, take this in than to be sitting up there and like rotating around and celebrating with them this first year. I mean, I don't know how, if you've ever been married, but like the first year, you know, it's kind of like the, the brightest, but it's also sometimes the most challenging because you're getting to know one another and, and we would love it. It would, it would make my wife, his mom so happy if she could celebrate this moment with them. And I don't know what we can do here. And I know that your hand is forced because you have all these reservations, but could you just put us on the list and we'll go up there and, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. And like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We can do that. Yes, sir. We'd love to do that. So got in the elevator, 52 floors. Okay. Get up there, Titus and Kennedy are sitting there. I was like, did you get us a table? And she's like. <laughs> and Titus goes into like uh, challenge mode. He's like, I think we just go sit down at the table. I just think, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And I'm like, just, just calm down. But I do love that attitude. I do love that attitude. Mm. And so I walked over to the hostess desk at the top. And I said, um, I don't know. I don't know if they, they had called from downstairs. Um, uh, Tim Bourne, I was like, you know, we had a party of six and I just didn't know where we were at. And like, Mr. Bourne? Yeah, your table's gonna be ready for you right now. I look over at them, I'm like. <laughs> Kennedy's still like. I was like, come on. And so they're like, 
they're like, and so we literally just walked over our table and we sat down. And they're like, Dad, what'd you do? Did you give them money? Did you give them money? It's like, I didn't give them anything. They said it was a three hour wait list. I know what they said. I know what they said. But we're sitting down, aren't we? It's the art of the ask. Do you think how I ask made a difference when the little girl downstairs called the little people upstairs? Do you think that made a difference? Because I didn't do anything. I just ask. I just ask a certain way. Do you think if you send four people in to ask that you'll get the same result? No. No, there'll be someone that gets a no and they stop. There'll be someone that hears how difficult it is and they'll stop. It'll be very few people that will go in and ask and then when they hear the no, they meet the opposition with something that is preferable. Tell a story. And I told a truthful story. Everything that I said in my story was true, but now I'm a human being, right? I'm not just some robot on a phone calling in. I'm a human being standing right in front of you with a story. And you know what a lot of people will do? They want to help because we live in America, right? And we live in Texas, right? This is the South and we help people. Welcome all the Californians. I had to say it last week. I'll say it again this week. When someone walks over to you and says, if they ever need anything, you know, because you're my neighbor now, they actually mean it. Like they, like you just, you can ask for a lemon and they will like give it to you. Like it's an amazing thing. Anyway, I think sometimes people are weirded out by that. Like you want to help me? Anyway, that's not the sermon. My point is the art of the ask, we're going to see in Nehemiah that, that he asked a certain way. And you have some areas in your life that you need to learn how to ask. Because how you've been asking all your life, if it isn't in the pattern that God says to ask it, then you can really come up short in a lot of areas, which we'll get into in today's message. But our family got to see that sometimes you have to push past the no in order to get to the yes. And if you would ask differently, you could get a different result. And I promise you, if you would pass that lesson onto your children, that will help them immensely in life. And so today, are y'all ready to get into it? You ready to get into it? The title of the sermon this morning is You Have Nots Because You Ask Not. Yeah, buddy, yeah. Oh, oh, we're going to get it. Oh, ready? get ready at the end. It's going to get hard at the end. It's going to be fun for a while, then it's going to get hard. Anyway, uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10, where we left off. I want you to try to count the number of yours and the number of servants in these two verses, okay? I think you're gonna find 10 yours and like five servants in these two verses. And then I'm gonna ask you a question, who do you belong to, all right? And so let's read this together. It says, they are your servants. This is Nehemiah's prayer as he's getting ready to go before the king. He says, they are your servants and your people who you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then he wraps it up with the craziest disconjointed line, I was the cupbearer to the king, right? He's like, the whole first chapter, he's just talking about the state of Israel. He just heard a report, and now he introduces his title. He's the cupbearer to the king. And that would be kind of like high on the totem pole, like head servant. The cupbearer was the one who tasted the beverage to make sure that it wasn't poisoned before the king would take a drink. So it's going to be important in just a little bit that you know what the cupbearer did. Every day, his life was on the line. And this isn't in like today's society. This is where coups and, and poisonings and murder and betrayal happened on a regular basis. And so um, his own father had been uh, murdered uh, in a coup attempt. And so it meant a little bit more that Nehemiah had been chosen as an exile to be the trusted person who was the cupbearer. So 
Um, the first question I want to ask is, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Did you guys hear all those yours? Like that he was identifying with God as I belong to you. I am your servant. That it was your mighty hand that was able to redeem us. And so as you get into this whole process of Nehemiah, you're going to find out that this ordinary dude became extraordinary as the result of him understanding how to relate to the God of the Bible. That if you would realize who you are and who he is, then you would explain to him that you are happy to belong to him, that you want to be a servant of God. And you can't be a servant of God and do what you want to do. A servant of God must do what he wants you to do. And so the whole satisfaction of self-sacrifice becomes prominent in Nehemiah's life. And, and so in your life, you have to start asking yourself, if, if you really belong to God, then what is it that you are reflecting? Is your lifestyle reflecting that you belong to him? Now, because he belongs to him, he asked for two things. He said, God, grant me success, give me success, and then grant me favor. Now, if you, it's not like uh, we use favor differently. We say like, hey, can you do me a favor, <laughs> right? But that's not what this word favor means. It means um, uh, it'd be closely synonymous to grace in the New Testament. Grace is God's unmerited favor. That means that you have some standing, not because of what you did, but it's because of who you belong to. So if you haven't realized it yet as a believer that God is constantly opening doors on your behalf, that you did not deserve. And the church said, amen. Like you got to where you were because of hard work, but it took the favor of God added to your hard work to open doors that you can never open. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're not living in God's favor because everyone in here that has walked into a blessing that God gave you that you didn't deserve, you immediately, you were sitting there in the moment and you were like looking up to heaven and say, thank God, thank God for favor. Like some of you are only alive sitting in this room because the favor of God, because the phone rang or someone showed up or something didn't happen, but you, you earned, you earned a consequence, but instead, because he's a God of grace, you got a blessing. You understand? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay. So he said, God, give me success and grant me favor. For all my timid people in here who are self-effacing, who, who kind of tends toward you know, others first and you second, sometimes your humility actually becomes a problem for you because you say, like, I, oh, this, this chaps me a little bit, so I'm gonna get on to you, but I'm gonna do it in a really gentle way because I know this personality type you can't, you can't be harsh with, okay? So in a gentle way. If you are unwilling to ask for God's favor and his success on behalf of your family, then that's selfish. That's selfish. You are withholding the request. Like you have an audience with God and you're not willing to make that request because you think you're going to bother him? You think he's too busy? You think that God is like a waitress that is in the weeds with seven tables and your prayer request comes up and he's like, oh, well, you know what? I've got to get, get to that one. He's God. He's God. Wouldn't it be terrible if all of this favor and blessing was possible, but you have not because you that's a verse in the Bible. If y'all didn't know, that's a, uh, James uh, 4, 2. So like, we're going to try it again. You have not because you. Okay. There's nothing wrong with asking for favor for God, especially not to consume for yourself. You're asking for favor on your life so that you can make an impact for the kingdom of God. God, give me favor in my business so that I can give more because I can employ more so I can have more influence for your kingdom. But don't take the blessing that he's given you and then consume it for yourself. He finishes up, he said, I was the cupbearer 
to the king. Oh, man. Here's my favorite phrase of the day. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is who you belong to, okay? It doesn't matter what you do. Because some of you are going to say, well, how can I have influence? I'm just a blank, right? I'm just a blank. I'm just a person. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I saw, I saw uh, uh, we got a plumber. I saw an actuary over there. I see a coach sitting back there. Teal, Coach Teal, I see you. Um, you know, uh, I see a person who does HR in the room. Uh, we got uh, a person who does, uh, well, Paul, he's a salesman for like aero. I don't know, space, laser, engineering stuff. But then he's like a seminary professor also. So, you know, he's, he's doing a little bit, you know, I don't know. But sometimes we might be tempted to think that I'm not Jesus, I'm not the apostle Peter, I'm not Elijah of the Old Testament. Somehow I can't have influence because of who I am. But if you would really lean into whose you are, right? Then it doesn't matter what you do, it matters most who you belong to. And then you could be freed from so much preoccupation. Why don't we let God worry about the destination and you worry about today, right? Because some of you are so consumed with the destination that you are of no use to God today because you're so thinking about tomorrow. And there's not saying, there's not long range planning. Yes, long range plan. Yeah, fine. What is your five-year plan? What is your 10-year plan? But here's the truth, and you'll realize this. It's good to have a plan, but it's probably not gonna go the way that you planned. And are you open to God interjecting and interrupting because you trust more that God's gonna get you to your divine destiny rather than your best? Would you rather have God's best or rather have your best? And God says sufficient is the day, the worries thereof. In other words, today has so much to focus on. Quit worrying about tomorrow. Be God's best in your life today. You understand what I'm saying? So, so whenever we're thinking about that, I think that, that a lot of times we, we get worried because we say to ourselves, like, it's not, going, it's not going as fast as I wanted it to. Like Coach Spann, he's just taking over a brand new program, Panther Creek Baseball. And he's got to build it from the ground up. And doesn't get any seniors that are like advanced players, you know, he's got from the ground up. He knows going in, like, we're probably going to lose some games. So if he was preoccupied with winning every game, wouldn't take the job. He would lose the opportunity because he was too consumed with the future. But if you could lock in today and say, today I'm going to make my team the best it could be today, then eventually I will get to the destination that God has me for that. But some of you are so preoccupied with where it's going to go and you think you know where it's going to go. And let's just be honest. Some of you are Debbie Downers. Like you are just always thinking the worst. Like how is, how is God the God of your life? Like the one you swore allegiance to and put your hands like in eternity and you're sitting over there always thinking negative. Like that's just crazy to me that believers could be so pessimistic, right? Like in the name of Jesus, your attitude's wrong, right? Look at that, look at that, receive that. You elbow your spouse if that's them, like, right? I'm not even gonna look. Just give them, in the name of Jesus, quit being a negative Nelly. I was cupbearer to the king. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the destination. Nehemiah said, I'm worried about right now, today. God, I'm praying on behalf of your people because I know with your mighty hand, oh, with your desire, God, that you could do the greatest thing. I was cupbearer to the king. It's almost, do you guys feel some pride in that? Like, it's like, some of you, like, what do you do for that? I was cupbearer to the king. Man, if you can't be excited about where you're at right now, even if I gave you what you believe you wanted, I promise you, you'd be the same 
negative person. If you can't manage the money you have right now, and I give you more, bro, I'm telling you, you'll be right back where you are. God says, you need to be worried about today. You don't even know if you have tomorrow. How worried were you about today when you woke up? Man, I hope today that before we get to the end of this message that you'd be excited about where you're at knowing that God's got your destination already picked out. He already has the reservation. And it may look like there's a three-hour wait, but one day you're going to walk in and his favor has already gone before you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Be faithful today. And God will be faithful tomorrow. In the New Testament, Paul gave Timothy some advice. He said, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day of judgment, against the day of trouble, against whatever should come against me. He also said, I have learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So I want you to start thinking about that. Are you persuaded that God is able to get you to the destination that you can say, I'm going to be consumed with today, following God today. And that no matter what, if I'm the cupbearer, if I'm the lowliest on the totem pole, because if you walk into a restaurant and you see a, a waiter walk over with a nice bottle of wine, you say to yourself, oh, look at that. He's the servant. And you say, oh, look at that table. They're the served. And so in your mind, the power position is the one seated. But in the kingdom, the power position is the one serving. And so I just want to ask you, how's your serve? How's your serve this morning? Do you have any serve in your life? Because you might be the one seated at the table, but that's not the graduation. That's the beginning. Whenever you start your walk of faith, you stay seated in the crowd. But if you want to graduate in your faith walk, at some point you got to get in the serving game. Man, the serving game is the greatest game. The goat in heaven will be the one who served the most. And so I'm just trying to get you there. I'm trying to get you to goat status. And so it says in Nehemiah chapter 2, we'll, we'll continue on. We made it to chapter 2. We're 15 minutes in. You guys ready? Oh, it's going to be hard. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. Oh, just, oh, you just, you just let it marinate. Just let it marinate. I had not been sad in his presence before. Uh, oh, that's going to be so good. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not sick? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. Now we're going to just slow it down here. We're going to ask this question. What attitude are you bringing? What attitude are you bringing? Do you think your attitude matters? Pam, you own a, you own a business. Does, does, it, does their attitude, when they come to work, can you tell if it's going to be a bad day? Sure you can. Coach Span. Can you tell it's going to be a good day or a bad day when the players walk out of the locker room on the field? Yeah. Do you know that, by the way, we talk about y'all? When we go back there backstage in between the reflection time, we talk about y'all. Like, I know I brought it, but that crowd, dead. Dead crowd. Dead crowd. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. Worship, God, worship team comes out. I was like, dude, we were just giving it all. The God who fights for me. And I, Trust me, we rate y'all. We rate y'all. You don't, you, don't you don't think that your attitude that you bring affects the outcome? It says that he had never been sad before. We have the president of the BMA who helped launch our church, John David. You ever thought about it like that before? That he had never had a bad attitude? He had never had a bad day? Never had a sad day? I want you to think about that for a moment. Like some of y'all, every day you go to work, you're the moaner groaner, right? That's what you are. You're Sally Sadface. 
That's what you are, Sally Sadface. Like you, you walk in and, and people don't ask, you know why? Because that's your normal face. How can they tell a difference? You look angry, you look sad, you look mad, and it's every day. Every day can't be a bad day. Some of you, in the name of Jesus, every day can't be a bad day. If you're in a marriage where every day you come home to a bad day, you're stressed out. And the church said, amen. If every day you go to work and your boss has a bad attitude, you dread it. You hate going to work because they are bringing an attitude. If you're the owner of the company and your employees are always come dragging in, it might be that you might have to ask yourself, what culture are you creating? If you're the leader. And then if you're not the leader, you know, you can serve from second place too. And like, if you don't like it, what are you doing to help it? Because some of you just sit down in the fact you don't like it and that's the rest of your life. I don't like this house. And now it's everything you get. I complain about it. I don't like this car. Now you love that car a month ago, but now it's like, oh, you know, here's the, hear that whining noise. Are you driving a luxury SUV and complaining? Welcome to Frisco. <laughs> you know, our pool isn't self-heated. <laughs> oh, I know my people. I know my people. We had to wait in line for five minutes. The self-serve uh, drop-off for the, va the groceries wasn't working today. I had to go to the store. What attitude are you bringing? Now, you don't think that Nehemiah was never sad? You think he was never mad? No. So what must he have had? Did he have command over his emotion or had his emotion mastered him? Is it possible to have feelings that you do not let master you? Is that possible? Is there a world that that is, this is rockets. I guarantee you someone, your brain just exploded because you live by the mantra and the motto, if I feel it, I must say it. No, you need to tuck that crazy in. That's what you need to do with that. You can't just let that out for everyone to know about. You put it down in there. You save that for home, okay? Somehow Nehemiah has served his way to second to the king as the cupbearer and God has put him in a position and now his attitude has given him the opportunity for the ask. You see, Nehemiah had been doing his best every day and now that something was off, there was incredible contrast because he had never been sad before. I just want you to know your attitude, oh man, what attitude are you bringing? Because if you're bringing a bad attitude to your relationships, if you're bringing a bad attitude to your marriage, if you're bringing a bad attitude in your parenting, if you're bringing a bad attitude to your school, some of you knuckleheads in here, let me talk to them, where are the teenagers? Raise all your hands if you're a teenager in here. All right, okay, hey, because you look like you might have a problem, all right? Old school, you know, we didn't wear hats to church. You're lucky. You're lucky. This, you're lucky this is good church. This is Genesis Metro. We don't care how a person looks on the outside. We're just caring about the inside. You know what I'm saying? And so if you go to school and you sit there and you don't even listen, you say, well, I'm not being bad compared to Jackwagon Johnny over there. That's not the comparison. The comparison is to your best. And you don't even listen. You don't even listen. You don't even take notes. How are you supposed to be doing your best and you don't even write something down? Don't tell me that you're trying to do your best. How are you going to retain it? Are you Rain Man? Are you going to be able to remember it? Because like some of y'all, I could ask you like, I used to do this game when I was in the Baptist church. We used to like shake hands on the way out. And I, they were like, oh, Pastor Tim, that was the greatest sermon ever. I say, oh, what was your favorite part? <laughs> Blank. Blank. Don't tell me you want to be the greatest. 
in your faith? You don't even write anything down? Oh, you're going to go back and watch it later and take notes? <laughs> what attitude are you bringing? What attitude are you bringing? If I told you there was going to be a test at the end of today's service, and if you got 10 questions right, I'd give you a million dollars. You'd be writing everything down. You'd be writing everything down. What I'm going to give you is worth more than a million dollars. Every single Sunday, worth more than a million dollars. I'm just saying, you might want to take notes. You might want to take notes. Note takers are world changers. That's what they say. Anyway. Verse 2b, I was very much afraid because the king noticed. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. The art of the ask, the art of the ask, you better, you better bring something positive before you get to the negative. Does everybody understand that? All my salespeople in the room, you better bring something positive before you bring something negative. May the king live forever. Now it takes a drastic turn. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, oh, here it is. What did he ask for? Success and favor when he went before the man. And now, because Nehemiah has prepared who oh, God has provided. Verse four says, what is it you want? We're just going to say, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Oh man, all those days of serving led to the opportunity of a lifetime to ask. And now the king, who is the most powerful person, is asking him, what do you want? Now that seems like a a great opportunity, but some of you, oh man, you might fumble when someone asks you what you want. First Peter 3.15 says this, always be prepared to give an answer to any man who asks you according to the hope that is inside of you. So when some people ask you about your faith, when someone challenges you, when someone, you know, presents a favor opportunity before you, have you prepared have you prepared? Are you walking with him enough that you're prepared so that you even know that God has provided this opportunity? And so here they were. And you'll see that there's an inseparable link between vision and provision, right? That if you don't have a vision for your life that is divinely inspired, then how would God get his provision to your vision? Shouldn't it be his vision? You understand what I'm saying? It's not your vision that matters. All those yours that were in the first verse that we looked at, those weren't Nehemiah's, those were God's. Because who does he belong to? He belongs to God. Who is he the servant of? He's the servant of God. And so his request is based upon his relationship as God being the Lord and him being the servant. And so now the vision is to rebuild the wall. And then God sends the provision of the opportunity. What is it that you want? Man, if you ever get that question, don't blow it. Don't blow it. Are you ready for the ask? As you're sitting in here, some of you, you're not ready. You're not ready. Let me, let me explain it to you. I'll give it to you. And some of you are going to be like, oh, man. Pastor Tim's going to get in my kitchen. When you, were, when you were praying, let's just assume you prayed for the person that you married, Okay. How low was the bar? How low was the bar? Just let them love me? Is that, is that all you ask for? Because that's probably what you got, right? Just let me meet someone. I don't care where it's at. If it's the bar or if it's swiping right, uh, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, just let them love. Like, or if you grew up in dysfunction, you know, like your, your, your bar is like, just don't let them hit me, you know? Like, are you ready for the ask? Because when the king puts the opportunity in front of you. I want you to know that you're worthy of everything. 
So you should be asking, I want them to love Jesus. I want them to want church in their life. I want them to make decisions at the end of the day using God's book as the rule book for life. I want them to raise the children that we might be blessed with under the nurturing and the admonition and the blessing and the favor of the Lord. Like some of you got what you wanted <laughs> because of what you ask. Sometimes you're going in before your boss and you don't even know how to ask. They're like, well, you know, where do you see yourself in your company? And you're like, oh, well, you know, I just kind of like it where I'm at. You know what they do? Check. Check. You don't want more. You don't want to challenge. You don't want to grow. You don't want to learn. You got what you asked for. Here is Nehemiah has been positioned before the most powerful person on the planet at the time. And he says, what do you want? You're telling me that God isn't good? That he could take you as the cupbearer of an exiled nation and put you in front of the king and the king ask you, what do you want? He just prayed this. How powerful is a prayer when you could pray it and then like the next day, you're sitting there and like, hey, Nehemiah, I see that you're sad. <clears throat> what do you want? He says in verse 4b, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor, you see that? Like, I love it. It's like he prayed that God would give him favor and now he's testing it. He's trialing it. He's like, if I have indeed found favor, <laughs> let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then I'm going to summarize the next five verses. Here is his moment. And the king asks him what he wants. And Nehemiah does not have to bat an eye. He prays, but it's like a quick prayer because he's already prayed up. Some of you, because you never pray, <laughs> you'd be like, let me have a minute. And then the moment would pass. You need to be ready now. You understand? For whatever God has for you today, if you didn't prepare this morning, if you didn't prepare this week, you're not even ready. You're not even ready for what God has for you right now. So today, we're going to worry about today. Nehemiah had already prepared. He had a laundry list when the king asked him, what do you want? He said, first of all, I'm going to need some time off, right? I'm gonna, I got a trip that I'm going to have to take, and I just want to put in my schedule request. Now, when you're the cupbearer to the king, you don't ask for time off. You, don't, you understand? Like, this, wasn't, this didn't come with two weeks, you know, and, like, uh, time off and, like, sick leave. And I, they didn't have any of that. There was no definitely male maternity leave back then, whatever that is. Anyway. So, anyway, he says, I'm going to need some time off. And it says that he was sitting before the queen and the king, and he's like, well, okay, and what else? He's like, okay, I'm going to need some timber, all right? We're going to rebuild a wall. Like, it's not a small wall. This is a giant, like a wall around Frisco. Just imagine that. Imagine how much it costs to replace your fence, and then multiply that times a million, right? Okay, so, like, I'm going to need some timber, um, and then I'm going to need just some letters, I got to write these letters to the governors of the region saying I'm under your authority. So I need you to provide, you know, a social interaction that allows me to do this. Because when I get there, I'm going to say on behalf of the king. And so I have the authority to do this. And so he was asking for permission for that. And then he's like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to need uh, safe travel because it wasn't like you could just, you know, roll up into any place back then. There were bandits and all this kind of stuff. So the king said, I'll, I'll send a guard of, of my soldiers to protect you while you go rebuild the wall. Now you tell me if you've ever had a king maker personality, are they interested in their kingdom or are they interested in your kingdom? They're interested in their kingdom. How much favor does Nehemiah have that he's talking a king into building a kingdom that doesn't even belong to him, doesn't even have anything to do with him? And you're sitting out there telling me what you can't do because I'm just a cupbearer, Tim. I'm just a cupbearer. No. Think about that for a moment. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is the power of prayerful seeking. 
That's the difference. I'm not telling you just to have a good attitude. I'm not just telling you every day, tell yourself a joke and tell yourself how awesome you are in the mirror. I'm saying, tell God how awesome he is. God, it was your mighty hand that lifted me up in my lowest moment when I was sitting there feeling all alone and in despair, having suffered my worst loss of my entire lifetime when everybody was looking at me and saying, man, they're never going to make it in life. Look at how they screwed up their life. And yet you came and you picked me up and you put my feet on the solid ground. You redeemed me and you made me into something great. Man. Is that the way, is that the way you're seeking God this morning? I'm not talking about being positive. I'm talking about being prayerful. You can be the cupbearer and have confidence. Some of you, when I talk about attitude, when I talk about ask, you're like, oh, I could never ask for that. You just let life punch you in the face even though you supposedly have Jesus living in your soul. The same Jesus that Paul exclaimed, I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able. That God, that it's not the power of your person, that I know him and the power of the resurrection, that if God be for me, who can be against me? Is that the way you approach your ask? Or do you walk in there timid? Do you walk in there fearful? Because the measure of a man has put you at a lower lot in life. So you walk around accepting the measure of a man. When God has thought so well of you that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross that the best gift that's ever been given was given for you. And you've received that and you've become a child of the king. Now understand this, Artaxerxes was the king on the earth and he was a servant to the king on the earth. But there was a second side because Jesus is the king in heaven. And somehow in the New Testament, I think it says that one day, Every knee is going to bow to the name that is in heaven, that the world would know that Jesus Christ is the king. Artaxerxes, you may be the king on earth, but I have a king that's in heaven. He's the king of kings, that he's the Lord of lords, and that every knee is going to bow. And so may I serve you on this earth, but I don't really serve you, I serve him. And if the servant is the greatest, even though it appears that you are above me, I am indeed above you because the favor of God is on my life. It doesn't matter what you think, it doesn't matter what you say, because God has got me, the destination is already decided. I'm just worried about right now answering this question to Day and the church said, Amen. Oh boy. He asked for time off, timber, letters to the trans Euphrates, and an armed bodyguard, and he got everything that he asked for. So here you are in your Christian life. And if God gave you that opportunity, let's be honest, some of you would have stopped at time off. You would have said, thank, thank you. Thank you for the time off, you know? And you'd have went away and left everything on the table. What does the New Testament say? Ask and it shall be given. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. But Brother James says, you have not because you ask not. What are you asking for this morning? Are you gonna ask for favor? Not for you. What if you were asking for favor every week for 3330? That it wouldn't be about building your house, it'd be about building his house. Do you think that if all of us were praying, and we're gonna be talking about fasting during the offering, if all of us were praying and fasting, do you think that God would provide opportunity? That he would provide provision for his vision? Oh, I guarantee you. So I'm telling you right now, I'm going to look you in the eye. We need you. We need you. We need you. I'm asking. I'm asking. 
You say, Tim, what do you need? Everything. I want everything. I want everything. As your pastor, I'm leading my sheep. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is worth your everything. And if you're not given everything, you're not given anything. Let me pray. Father, we ask for favor upon every family. God, not for them, but for you. We pray, God, that you would bless, and then we would in turn bless. That you would bless and that we would build. That you would bless and that we would forgive when we have the opportunity. That you would bless and that we would go the extra mile. That we would be willing to travel all the way back to a land that we've never been to. To build something we've never built before, never seen before. All because of your glory, your kingdom. That there's people that are out there that are hurting and they're in trouble. And God has positioned many of us sitting here this morning in places of favor that we didn't earn and we didn't deserve. And now you sat down in that favor. You're sitting in the king's house, comfortable being the cupbearer to your company. And God's saying, what about my house? What about my house? Do you think I blessed you with all that to not build my house? Oh, let's don't get it twisted. All those yours in that first verse, I think for many believers has turned to mys. Because <laughs> you belong to you. And you belong to what you want to do and what you want for your life. As a believer, I'm informing you. You've given up that right. And now it's God, whatever you want, wherever you're gonna take me, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to give, whoever you want me to share with, God, I'll do it. Because I prayed that dangerous prayer. God, grant me success and give me favor. You pray that today and he opens up a door for you. Oh, you better walk through it. You be ready for that ask. I was sitting up with my family in that rotating restaurant and I said, you remember this day. You remember this day that God gives you favor in situations that you don't even deserve. Life lessons are all around us. Some of you, you have not because you ask not. You wanna get your kid back? You want the prodigal to return home? Well, you better be asking. You wanna get your marriage back together? You better be asking. You want your company to make it through the winter? Whew, you better be asking. We're gonna give you an opportunity to worship with us and let this song be your prayer request. Would you stand?